This is Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast, episode number 68. Today, our special guest is Dan Weberg, Head of Clinical Innovation for Trusted Health. Dan shares with us his passion for innovation and the innovative work he is leading at Trusted Health to support mental health and well-being for nurses. Stay tuned. Hi, healthcare leaders. I'm Tracy Christofferson. And I'm Michelle Trosett. We're your hosts for Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast, and we are so grateful you joined us today. You're about to see healthcare problems and challenges through a brand new lens and take your leadership to a whole new level with this podcast. We've coached healthcare leaders from across North America for over 30 years as they strive to establish healthy healing organizations and thriving work cultures. This is the only podcast that shows healthcare leaders how to apply polarity thinking the missing logic in healthcare to their reoccurring challenges so they can stop wasting time, money, and resources on fixes that fail. If you want to create a healthy healing organization where staff and leaders thrive and perform at their highest level, where values are aligned, outcomes are sustainable, and the highest quality of care is delivered, then this podcast is for you. Keep listening. Each week, you're going to learn how to leverage a polarity mindset and manage competing priorities as we use a polarity lens to explore everyday challenges with the leaders who are striving to manage them. We're thrilled you're here. Hello, everyone. It's Michelle. And Tracy, we're back for another fabulous episode Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast. Yes, yes. And we're with a fellow podcaster today. That's always fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is fun. It is. They kind of know the, the flow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they do. They do. They do. We just kind of jump right in here with Dan and have a great, fun interview and uh, learn more about his really incredible work, very innovative work that he's doing. And um, he's a change agent, isn't he? Oh, he is. He's got a great spirit, a lot of energy. Yes. A lot of energy. I love hearing his story and just kind of his philosophy on innovation and life. And it was a great interview. It was. Yeah. 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 They're lucky to have him, I think. I think so, too. I do. So let me tell you a little bit about Dr. Dan Weberg. He is an expert in nursing, healthcare innovation, and human-centered patient design with extensive clinical experience in emergency departments, acute inpatient hospital settings, and academia. Guy gets around. <laughs> he currently serves as the head of clinical innovation for Trusted Health, the staffing platform for healthcare industry, where he helps drive product strategy and works to change the conversation around innovation in the healthcare workforce. Prior to joining Trusted, Dan spent seven years at Kaiser Permanente, where he held executive roles in nursing innovation, research, and technology strategy across eight regions. 38 hospitals, and 60,000 nurses. Wow. He was also part of the founding faculty for the new Kaiser Permanente School of Medicine. Dan is on the faculty at The Ohio State University College of Nursing and multiple innovation fellowship programs. He previously taught on nursing innovation and leadership at Arizona State University, And he's on the editorial board for Nursing Administration Quarterly and has authored two dozen peer-reviewed articles and two textbooks, including Evidence-Based Innovation Leadership for Health Professionals and Leadership in Nursing Practice. 
Dan earned his bachelor's in nursing and was in the first cohort to graduate from the master's in healthcare innovation program at ASU, as well as the first ever graduate of the PhD in healthcare innovation leadership program at ASU. He's just an innovator all the way around, man. <laughs> his clinical background is in emergency and trauma nursing at level one trauma centers in California and Arizona. Dan's got a ton of energy and a lot of wisdom to bring, as you can hear. So stay tuned, tune in, and without further ado, here we go. Here's Dan Weberg. Well, welcome, Dr. Dan. It's so great to have you on our podcast today. Yeah, I'm super excited. Um, I love chatting with other podcasters, and we had such a good conversation on, uh, on our podcast that I thought um, we could continue that here. That's right. We felt the same way. That's why we added you to our list right away. <laughs> and here you are. <laughs> That's right. Welcome. Thanks. Yeah. And so we've been thinking a lot about you these days, and we uh, suspect that you've been kind of on a lot of innovation sprints since COVID-19 hit the front lines and um, probably on steroids when you think about all the changes that have happened since the last time we talked. And um. But tell our listeners what you do to kind of chill and unwind, you know, um, inquiring minds want to know. Yeah. Uh, for me, it's anything around the water. So, um, you know, I live in Northern California, uh, right in the Bay Area. So I go kayaking um, or at least go run or walk by the Bay. Uh, that's kind of my calming. I had some vacations planned to like tropical places, but that all got turned on its head. So I'm trying to staycation uh, by the water and uh, and get some energy that way. Yeah, water's always energizing. I just was able to spend the weekend up at Tracy's place in beautiful Lake Charlevoix, and uh, my whole spirit was just so inspired by the water over the whole weekend. So I can totally relate to that. Yeah, I yeah. don't know how I survived in Arizona for 11 years because um, oh. that's like the opposite of water. And then I went to Ohio. Ohio has lakes, but. Um, yeah, it's good to be back. I'm a California native, so I think there's something there. The salt water is in my veins or something. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a draw, right? And I lived in Arizona, too. Now, I love the warm, but I miss the water. So, hence, back on the lake in Michigan. Love it. Yeah. So, uh, Dan, we just can't help but notice that you've had a very unique career um, as a nurse and as a leader, and you've just really been forging ahead with innovation and living the future we need today by bringing these new concepts forward and tell our listeners where your innovative spirit came from. You know, can you identify when you began to think differently than the average person? Oh, I don't know. I don't know if I think differently than the average person. I just say things that average people may not say. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, I I think like MacGyver is my spirit animal. I mean, I grew up watching like eight, the A-Team and MacGyver and um and those show those kind of shows and and like and mash and like in every episode they're doing some sort of innovation like on the a-team they would take whatever they had around them and build up something to beat the bad guys and macgyver obviously made something new every every time and and in mash even in that like that was the healthcare focus they had to hack around like not having enough supplies or whatever was going on and that, i just was so interested in all of that and i didn't really know it at the time um, but now as I've gotten more into technology and innovation and change management and organizational structure and stuff, like there's a lot of lessons um, I think I drew from those TV shows. Uh, so now I say MacGyver's my spirit animal. Um, and I think where I realized I wanted to change healthcare was um, when I, 
I started the master's in healthcare innovation program at uh, Arizona State. And I, at the time, was really involved in simulation with the mannequins. I had taught myself how to program SimMan, and it was still in the closet at that time. And um, just kind of spent spent time in the room and and just push buttons and tried to break it and and learned how to program it. Um, and when I heard about the master's in innovation program, I was like, oh, I'm going to build a simulator. Like this is my career trajectory. I'm going to help do simulation all over the place. And I got in and the first day it was, I remember it, it was, um, Kathy Malik and Tim Porter O'Grady. And there was only four of us in the whole class and we were sitting there and Tim gets up and he just starts this, what we call Sunday sermon. And he does like his Tim Porter O'Grady, like, I don't know, this lecture that just was perfect. And it just blew everyone's mind about how healthcare is broken and leadership and organizational change. And I was like, this is what I want to do. And that kind of flipped the bug. And it was like taking the pill in the matrix. Like you can either stay blind and go through and I could just do my ER staff nurse job and kind of grind through that. Or I could kind of sit down and listen and see the organization and health systems in a different light. And um, I chose to do that. And so now, and and from there, that kind of catalyzed everything from there. Yeah, it's amazing how that one stepping stone can change everything, right? That one relationship or that one talk or that one key event. And yeah, that's great to hear yours. Yeah, it's one moment in time. And I just, I love MacGyver as your spirit animal. I just, that is so right on. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know. I, I haven't figured out how to take duct tape and gum and a paper clip and make something that helps people in healthcare, but I'm working on it. Oh, good. <laughs> well, there's been quite a few been trying to make ventilators out of those things. <laughs> true. That's true. <laughs> so true. <laughs> yeah. So fast forward today, you know, you're the head of clinical innovation. Um, is that correct? Your title, clinical innovation at correct. Trusted Health? Yeah, tell our listeners a little bit about Trusted Health. Not everyone may know about Trusted Health. Yeah, um, it, it was kind of an opportunistic um, jump for me. So, I, you know, I'd always spent my time in large organizations, starting at Arizona State um, and then Ohio State on the, on the health system side, leading education. And then, you know, the last seven and a half years was at Kaiser Permanente at the system level across, you know, 60,000 nurses, $85 billion company. and. Um, and I've always been talking about innovation. I was always kind of had a, a hand in um, startup stuff, whether it was meeting with startups and talking about like what technology they could use to disrupt or, um, or just kind of generally interested in how startups were kind of being this innovation disruption engine within health, health, healthcare. Um, and, and I met Trusted Health a few years back and uh, just really resonated with what they were trying to do, which is build basically the career platform for nurses, uh, the digital home for nurses. And you can kind of think of it like um, LinkedIn meets match.com for your job. And so as a nurse, you can go on Trusted Health for free, build a profile that helps you manage your license. We integrate with like nurses so you can automatically verify your license. You can house all your credentials. It'll remind you when things are coming up due, put in letters of reference, your background information, all the stuff you need to like work as a nurse um, and house it in a digital platform. And then if you choose to, you can, we can take that data, ask you some questions about preferences, like what kind of specialties are you, you know, good at? What, what shifts do you want? Where in the country do you want to live? And we'll match you with job opportunities out in the world. Um, and we've become really efficient 
at that. And we kind of disrupted the old model, which, um, you know, other staffing agencies have, which is you have a recruiter that sits between the nurse and the job. The nurse has to negotiate with the recruiter for pay. The recruiter's incented to get as many warm bodies into jobs as possible. It's just not a very personal experience. And it, um, it ends up kind of mismatching the supply and demand of nurses. And so what we've done is we've taken two approaches to it. We've taken technology and, and automated that process and made it very transparent to the nurse. So the nurse signs on, they see a job, they know exactly what they're getting paid, broken down in stipends and all that kind of stuff. So they know exactly what they're getting into. And we've integrated with like Google data, Yelp data, all that kind of stuff. So they can see the facility and all the things around that. So they know where they're headed. Um, and then on the other side, we, instead of putting recruiters who may not be healthcare professionals, uh, we've actually put nurses as the front line of our organization. So when you sign up and you start searching for jobs, you have a fellow nurse who has been a travel nurse helping you guide you through that whole experience. And so it allows for that clinician cl to clinician support and just real conversations about, hey, you know, this job is requiring this. Have you been in these situations? And you can actually just have that conversation. We actually can match you to jobs that are more fulfilling, more matched to your skill set than just kind of submitting you to um, a random number of things. So it's been really fun to be a part of that. And we've, we've done some cool partnerships and things. And, uh, and, and I was employee number 50, and now we're at about 112 employees. And it's been fun to be a part of that growth. Yeah, I was going to ask you how many employees they had. So I'm glad you shared that. Well, you know what? It did a lot more than what I thought. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we have 130,000 nurses on the platform or more. Wow. It, it, grows, it grows by several thousand every week. Wow. Um, and, and not all those nurses are searching for jobs. They're, they're using the platform to get content. We have a ton of content. We build communities. We've, uh, we have virtual events that are free around wellness, mental health, resume writing, all kinds of different things. So we, we really want to be that single source for nurses to manage their professional lives. Um, and and it's been a lot of fun to to build those pieces out and and you know and add more value to nurses, uh, make it easier for them to um, go do the great work that they do. Great, wow. that's amazing. That's really that cool. And they need it, right? They need it. what a great what great service for for everybody. It's so comprehensive. You know, that's what I'm really picking up on. That's really good. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that, just real quick, one of the things we just launched was it, well, two things. One is a residency tracker. So as a new graduate, you can sign up for the platform. You don't get matched to jobs. You, you go through a different sign up flow. But we've, we've cataloged all the accredited new grad residency programs in the country. And so you can go by city, by by area, by whatever, um, and you can search and save those facilities. And then we'll link you directly in so you can find out more information, apply for those residency programs. Before, nurses had had to click on every single facility they could think of and go search for that information individually. We've cataloged all that. So that's, that's kind of a fun value add. And then we just launched this CEU tracker. So um, based on your state licensure, which you input into the system, we know how many CEUs you need in, in your renewal period to maintain that license. We create a goal automatically for you. And then um, you can track and upload all your CEU documents and, and keep it in one spot and it'll track against that goal. And so over time, you'll know if you need you know, 30 hours in two years, it'll remind you over time that you have to do that and you can upload all your certificates and, and hours and all that stuff and it'll track against it. So it's fun to build those type of things, which are little, like you think, oh, that's not a big deal. I just saved that in a folder in my bedroom or, you know, on a drive on my computer. But um, now it, it becomes, you know, it's, 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 it's in a single spot where you can keep coming back to it and, and have it and it adds value. I think that is brilliant. I actually saw that on social media this week and I thought, oh, that is brilliant. 
And, you know, we're in the information age, so it's, it was easy to track when we just had a few things to track. Mm -hmm. But as, you know, things get more and more uh, just explosive that we have to track and monitor and everything, you know, it's just like it's kind of nice that there's that one place that you can just keep it all and with reminders. Yeah, yeah I think awesome. the, yeah, the reminders piece is big. And then um, it's, it's just like, I mean, I have all this information. I was, I'm, I'm moving right now. I'm packing up stuff to move, um, move houses. But there's like, I have a three ring binder with all this stuff that I accumulated since I started nursing school, everything from like background checks to my immunizations and stuff. And like, I don't know. I don't know what's in there. <laughs> I wish I had access to it. I have to scan all that and take pictures of it now. And to just have a digital home, I think, um, it's just an instant way to, to be able to track all that stuff as you move around. Oh, that's so important, right? It's just, uh, how many times have you spent digging? Digging for right. something, right? That you Searching need emails. And <laughs> oh, yeah, it's painful, right? So that's, yeah, and have it all in one place. That's awesome. That's really great. Um, well, it wasn't that long ago that we were guests on your podcast. And um, on the handoff podcast, and we talked about nursing burnout. I think that was episode 12, right, for mm -hmm. you? Yep. And, um, and it was, of course, a great episode. <laughs> of course. I'm the two best guests, obviously. <laughs> of course. <laughs> the threesome here, right? Like That's doing right. Our magic. We'll put a link of that one in our show notes, too. Um, but now it's your turn. Tell our listeners um, why you started your podcast, the handoff podcast. And Kind of how it dives into the more pressing topics than frontline for nurses. Yeah, so we're um, we're starting our second season of the handoff, and originally it started as a way to just um, put ideas out there that aren't usually talked about in healthcare. Um, and so series one was very topically focused. It was um, you know we had ones on burnout or technology, um, and we would interview three or four guests around that certain topic, trying to get different perspectives. And, um, and, and we got some, we got some good feedback related to that. And we, um, so, and, and then we, you know, we learned it was on my first time podcasting. So you learn a lot, as you know, um, and you want to refine it and do better and better. And so we decided to pause for a little bit about two or three months, um, which actually coincided with COVID. So it was like a perfect, like, let's, let's focus on some other stuff, uh, for a little while. And now we're ready to launch season two. So, um, season two is going to be much more, uh, focused on individual interviews and trying to dive into the most critical topics uh, in nursing. Um, everything will, we'll, I know we'll revisit burnout because that, that's something we're seeing more about in mental health to innovations. Um, and each episode is a discussion about topics that matter to nurses, nurse leaders, healthcare systems. And um, yeah, we're very excited. We have some really cool guests from Duke and American Nurses Association, uh, AACN, Pe University of Pennsylvania. So um, and we even got our first pitch for someone wanting to be on the show the other day. So it's like we're evolving. So it's kind of fun to be a part of that. That's always great when people reach out to say, can I be on your podcast? Yeah. It's like, it's like, a, yeah, it's one of those like key milestones. You're like, all right, we, that we kind of, we like kind of made it. That's like the first, this is the first sign someone wants to be on our show and we don't have to ask them. That's great. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like they think I've got something here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that validation, right? We all need that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so we're going to launch them mid, uh, mid August. So in the next week or two, we should do our formal launch and, uh, and it'll be out on all the, all the platforms you listen to podcasts on. Oh, that's great. We'll, that's we'll great. put information in our show notes to make sure everybody knows how to get to it. So um, Trusted Health recently kind of conducted a survey as well, right, of frontline 
nurse mental about mental health and well-being right yep. and you acknowledge that prior to COVID-19 crisis burnout was at an all-time high well now <laughs> we thought it was at an all-time high um but it's climbing right because of just the intensity of what people are experiencing but what did this survey um show and in if i'm correct me if i'm wrong but it was like over 1400 nurses um in all 50 states that you surveyed correct yeah so we um we sent we wanted to know more about our nurses uh and what they were feeling out in the out in the world and and it stemmed from um kind of the peak of covid in new york when we were sending hundreds of nurses literally overnight um into new york city to help fight their big spike um and we were hearing stories from nurses just um just crazy things they were seeing, um, how, how they were coping with the different stresses. And so we wanted to get some more insight in that. So we sent, we did a survey about 1500 nurses and we asked them, you know, how are you, how do you feel supported based on your, uh, how do you feel your mental health is being supported by your facility or your health system? Um, how are you, how is your commitment to the profession now that you're going through this pandemic? Uh, and basically what we found was, um, that since co before COVID and through COVID, about 30% of the nurses felt their well-being was in decline. Um, and they generally, nurses felt unsupported by facilities. And they rated on a scale of 1 to 10. They, the support for their mental health by a facility was rated about a 4.8, so less than less than a half, you know, not, not even in the, the top third there. So they, they felt unsupported, but just despite feeling burned out and, and stressed and not supported, uh, you know, a vast majority of over 80% of them said that they were more committed to nursing than ever. And so for us, that seemed like, well, you know, it's not a commitment problem. It's a, a systemic problem that we need to figure out how to fix. And so we, um, we took those findings and uh, tried to create some solutions around it. Well, I think one, I think it's fantastic that you actually did something to hear their voices, right? To get their pers the true perspectives, because we all hear stories, but you don't know to what degree really it's really impacting them. And, you know, um, I guess I wouldn't say I'm surprised at the continued commitment to their profession because most people going into it, right, are committed no matter what. I mean, it's just, it's their mission, it's their passion. And so, um, but it's good to hear. But that is not um, decline. Yeah, I mean, it was reassuring to hear that nurses um, are are still willing to show up, um, but it is it is concerning that they feel completely unsupported. Um, and what we we found we dug into that a little bit more, and we found that you know it's not that there's not programs within these facilities. They're doing the facilities are doing as much as they they can, I think, or, or as much as they think they can with employee assistance programs and some debriefing stuff. But what nurses tended to want was more of a peer support network, whether that's, mm -hmm. you know, colleagues that they work with that were able to help listen and hear, but mostly just they, they didn't want to talk to somebody where they had to explain what they were going through. They wanted someone who had that instant professional connection. Um, and one of the things we did with Ohio State was build this support line that was staffed by mental health nurse practitioners. And, and the feedback on that was really high because you, when, you, when you pick up the phone you, you already, you, and you talk to another nurse, you already kind of have that connection. You kinda, you've had similar experiences. And so you can start from a different place to dive into the issues um, without having to rehash and, and potentially um, get a little frustrated there. So that, that, was, that was a good thing. 
Yeah, that's a great example of that, just peer-to-peer support. And Tracy and I shared a story about some nurses in Boston recently that worked in a neuro ICU, and they actually sent meals and wishes to neuro, uh, neuro ICU nurses in other parts of the country as they had spikes. And so it's a little things. Mm-hmm. And it meant so much that, hey, they've been there. They've been through, we've been through, and it just meant so much to be thought of, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, so there's more to learn about that as we go through this, I'm sure. For sure. I'll say deeper connection. Yeah. Like you said, we don't have to explain this to somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just know. Like, all I have to do is look at them and they know, right? <laughs> it's yep. that deeper knowing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, one of the things, Dan, that we talked on your podcast about is how burnout is a problem and a polarity. And we shared, you know, some of the tensions uh, that we need to manage to prevent burnout. And we really also shared that a lot of attention is going towards the frontline clinicians as it should be because they're, they're out there, you know, delivering the care. Um, And that we also have noticed that and we've been hearing from, you know, leaders too, that they're, they're burning out as well. And that's a big concern of ours, because they're the ones that have to make sure the systems are in place, make sure people do have what they need. And um, we've really been encouraging people, the healthcare leaders that we're engaged with to, you know, focus on themselves first so they don't all burn out and then there's no one there for the front line. And we were just curious in, you know, the work that you're doing, you know, what are you hearing from the leaders themselves or how is Trusted Health supporting leaders? Yeah, you know, I had a conversation the other day with a colleague and, um, and she, she made a kind of a casual comment. I was thinking about it after we chatted. She said, you know, the COVID's going to be over and then a bunch of people are going to retire or leave uh, the leadership positions and then we'll have to rehire. And it's just kind of what we're planning for. And, and, and that's a problem. <laughs> I mean, uh, I think leaders do feel like they have to shoulder a lot um, and they have to show up. And, and through the whole crisis, we've seen really interesting um, kind of spectrum of leadership, everything from very transactional, like command and control, telling nurses to like do things that everyone knows is unsafe, like reuse dirty stuff, masks or whatever it is, PPE, to um, on the other spectrum, just this, these, these leaders stepping up and, and building out system support things and, and helping nurses do the, do the right thing, providing ethical support, mental support, quarantine pay, all these different things. And so um, it's been really interesting. And it, I think that, you know, leaders, it, it shows there's just, there's a, there's a need for leadership preparation. Um, Outside the pandemic, uh, I think a lot of leaders in healthcare. The problem is that you get you're a good clinician, so then you be, you get asked to be a leader, and you don't get any preparation to be a leader, and then you're thrown into a situation like COVID or or some other kind of big situation, and you don't have the skill set or the training to be able to fall back on um, to to make good decisions, and I think that leads to a lot of burnout. So, you know, I think I think we need to do a better job of of selecting and training and supporting leaders so that they don't burn out. And then um, we need to give them space just like we would give staff state space uh, when there's crazy things. So, you know, leaders can't be on all the time either. Uh, and so just providing those support networks for, for the leaders is going to be key. You don't have to kind of put on armor all the time. You have to take care of yourself uh, or you're, you're going to be toast too. Yeah. That's so true. It's, it's just absolutely spot on. And mm-hmm. and I love what you say, right? They're not mm-hmm. equipped. 
and you take somebody who's a strong clinician, it doesn't mean they're going to be a strong leader or that they have the skills, the knowledge um, that they need. And then, and then you add on something traumatic like this, something that is so large with um, that requires skills that frankly, most leaders wouldn't have, right? It's like going into a combat zone. You know, you go to war, you're trained to be there. You're trained to see that kind of stuff every day, to think on your feet, to, to be the MacGyver, right? <laughs> and, um, and many of them don't even have the basic leadership skills, <laughs> let alone these kind of, right, extended skills that they need to, to um, not just survive this, but thrive and support others through it. And, uh, and that's why we're concerned too, right? And then you just don't. The focus is on the front line and the bottom line. And sometimes leaders get, you know, they're kind of in that sandwich in the middle. It doesn't really get called out. Yeah, I mean, there's, um, there's a program that I used to be a trainer for called, uh, the, it's called Corporate Athlete, and it's part of uh, Johnson & Johnson's Human Performance Institute. And then Ohio State, Burn Melnick at Ohio State adapted it and made it into something called Nurse Athlete or Health Athlete. Uh, but one of the concepts in there is basically being a leader within a corporation, and in this case, healthcare, is just as strenuous as being a professional athlete. Um, and they give some data around that. They say, you know, professional athletes train 90% of the time and they perform 10% of the time. Hours worked are six, four to six hours a day and their career spans seven to 10 years. So they spend 90% of their time training for a four to six days a week and seven years of, of, as a professional. And a corporate athlete spends about 10% of their time training. They work 8 to 12 days a week, uh, or hours a day, sorry, 8 to 12 hours a day, and they have a career span of 30 plus years. And so we, we've just, we don't take the same mentality. We just kind of do and work and work, and we don't put that emphasis in the corporate world on this training, and training including nutrition, including mental and spiritual health, um, and, and, and physical health. We don't, we don't put that on people. We say meet your objectives objectives, meet your financial objectives, but not meet your physical, me emotional, mental objectives. And so I think we need to do a better job of flipping that script um, and, and actually putting more emphasis on development and personal health. Because once you have that, you have a basis to fall back onto to be able to handle the big stressors and things. Exactly. Yeah, it's so true. Mm -hmm. you gotta, yeah. you got to have a full cup, right? you got to... Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you don't have enough energy or the capacity either, right, to yep. do what you need to do. So, And we were, you know, speaking of Ohio State, we were really excited to hear about the wellness partnership program um, that you started with OSU, and, well, with the Ohio State <laughs> Say that correctly. And um, <laughs> can you tell us a little bit about that and your vision for it? Yeah, it came off the heels of um, of the the wellness support line that we created, kind of as a temporary stopgap. So as these nurses were calling in, we were getting more and more stories. We wanted to do something, and on the Ohio State side, they had faculty who, for whatever reason, um, couldn't go to the front lines to provide care directly to COVID positive patients or within the health system. And they wanted to do something. And so we were able to come up with a, a, a solution where we, we allowed the faculty to, to um, kind of support this line, this, this phone line, and, um, and then give a resource for nurses to call into. And what we found is that 
it, while it was great and we had a, a couple handfuls of nurses call in, it wasn't used as much as we thought it would. And I think partly because it was a, it was a pull. Uh, we had to pull nurses to call it. They had to take the initiative to do it. And uh, what we found is nurses don't want to do that. They, they, they don't know when to call or they don't want to do that. They feel like it's kind of a weakness or something. And so we shut that down and we ended up doing something different, which was the um, wellness partner program, which um, again, it was, it was kind of this mutual benefit. So we have nurses who want to refill their cup. Basically they want more energy. They want coaching. They want some support from a peer, a nurse. Um, and on the Ohio state side, they have nurse practitioner students who are not able to go into clinical, uh, rotations and get their clinical hours, uh, in the traditional way. And so, uh, what we did is we created this partner program. So on, on the Ohio state side, they have nurse practitioner students mentored by nurse practitioner faculty, who are able to be basically free health coaches for 200 frontline staff nurses uh, and travel nurses. And so we, we connected them just like, you know, Trusted's good at matching people to things. And so we matched 200 nurses to uh, a, a bunch of nurse practitioner students. The nurse practitioner students are able to get clinical hours. The nurses are getting free health coaching um, that's supporting them in their work. And it, it's just been a really great program. And we're already, we were already oversubscribed. We had over 250 uh, people uh, want to join in uh, for about 200 spots. And we're already ready to ramp it up again in the fall for the next cohort uh, of nurse practitioner students and get even more people involved. And we're just getting wonderful feedback. And um, and yeah, Bern Melnick and the Ohio State University's faculty have just been wonderful in supporting this. And, and it's just been a great connection of, of peer-to-peer support. Yeah, that's, uh, that's great. And we, 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 uh, we've been admirers of Bern Melnick's innovative spirit for many years. We actually had her on our podcast. Uh, she was episode number uh, 16. And um, I love the win-win around it, right? Um, because we also know clinical placement is a huge issue right now for all professions, like across the board. So we have to be innovative. We can't just stop, right? Uh, so that's, that's really great. I think that sounds like a fabulous program solution, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, um, I think it's interesting your observation that nurses don't want to reach out because we noticed that too. Yeah. You know, that yeah. they're not as forthcoming or they don't, you know, they have the experiences, but they don't necessarily take that step, right. Mm-hmm. To get the support that they need. So I, I, we've been, we've been kind of noticing that as well and just wondering where that comes from. Yeah, I don't know. I think I, f- I feel like it's an armor thing. Like the, and I, I had an interesting conversation um, with, with a colleague as well around this, this whole hero status um, that we give our frontline um, healthcare workers, it's kind of a double-edged sword. So, you know, in the movies, a hero is someone who sacrifices everything they have to save the world. Um, and that's not sustainable long-term and we continue to call our nurses heroes, which, you know, they are doing heroic work, but if we continue to use hero as a, a descriptor of them, then we're the expectation, the societal expectation is that they're supposed to sacrifice everything they have in order to save all these people. Um, and that's going to burn them out. And, and I think, and it also says, Hey, look, you're a hero. You can't ask for help. Like heroes don't do that. And I, so I think there's a piece of that in there where they feel like it, it, they're not doing their job or they're not a good clinician if they have to 
they have to ask for help for something that's their day-to-day job. Uh, I think we need to change that. And that, those are those systemic pieces that I think we need to work on. Like, you know, in the, and I called my friend, I have a, I have a good friend who's an army nurse. Um, he's a Lieutenant Colonel in the army and, um, has been through Afghanistan. And, and I asked him, I said, as, as New York was ramping up and we were starting to send nurses to New York, I said, how do you prepare your troops to go into battle? Like, what do you say to them? What do you support? Like, what, what do you do? And he said, you just got to let them know that they have the training and that you're there to support them. And so, and so this wellness partner program was a piece of that. Like, how could we take some of those principles and, and build it, build it into, um, you know, sending people into a battle zone. And I think the other piece that the military does really well is they have debriefing and they have, they have resources for, you know, taking the stress off of the immediate moment after the mission's done. And we don't do that with our nurses. We say, okay, your 12-hour shift's up, go home, we'll see you tomorrow. Or, you know, you need to stay four more hours and because we don't have enough staff and that kind of thing. And we never debrief the stress and the chaos that's happened in their day. And so it builds up over time. And I think we do need to do a systemic change there where we actually build debriefing and support and mental wellness into the shift, into the day-to-day interactions, um, rather than just throw up a phone line and say, hey, call it if you feel bad. Um, because that that's not working. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think it's beliefs too, right? And and so some of that is the individual's limiting belief, right? Mm-hmm. If I have a limiting belief that I can't ask for help, doesn't matter what you do, they're yeah. not going to do it, right? So we have to help them find find a mindset that is supportive, that actually liberates them, right, and helps them to get the help that they need and to be the person they want to be and right make mm-hmm. the contributions they want to make and. So, it, you know, a lot of things we've been indoctrinated with. And while it was so great to see people respect and honor all the professions, right, at the front lines, the nurses, the respiratory therapists, everybody that was, you know, in the trenches, especially, you know, in New York City and that are still in Texas and Florida and the other states, Arizona, right, where it's been the hot spots of increased it, it did have an unintended negative consequence um, because, to your point, if I'm a hero, then I don't ask for help, right? Mm-hmm. Then I'm the one. I carry it all. I can do this. And and we heard in numerous different um, publications and, uh, you know, in social media and different, you know, venues that, you know, this has been a real issue for people. So yeah. it's tough, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's tough times. I, I can't even imagine. Yeah. And there's no right answer. I mean, I think that's the other problem is there's no like playbook for this. Um, You can't just turn to page 15 of your textbook and be like, oh yeah, this is crisis management. I'm just going to check these boxes. Like it's completely unprecedented. And I think that's where the innovation leadership piece comes in. If we're preparing our, you know, because the whole point of innovation is, is leading into the unknown is, is, you know, building systems that aren't needed yet or, um, or, or problems that are really hard to define. And I think we need to do a better job of kind of preparing leaders that way as well. How do you lead into the unknown? What are the principles you fall back on when you can't have the right answer? Um, and I think, I think those, are, those are pieces of, of leadership education that we should be continuing to build in. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, yeah. Great point. So in just closing for today in this particular episode, what do you hope to see happen in the next one to two years to kind of improve clinician well-being, not only for nurses, but other health professions and, and in, and in regards to innovation overall, I think I'd ask you that. Yeah. Well, innovation wise, uh, I think innovation should be a core part of every 
curriculum of every health professional in the world, um, <laughs> just because it, the speed of change in healthcare is continually ramping up and um, people need to be ready to either adopt those changes or build those changes. So I think that that's a big piece. From the wellness side, I think you know, I, I would love to see more partnerships. And I think I, and I, we're seeing pieces of it. So, you know, we did the Ohio State piece. Um, ANA has done partnerships as well related to mental health and wellness. So I think it's coming up to the forefront now. And, and, and they're, we're building structures and systems in place to support nurses. So in the next one to two years, I would really love to see uh, a culture shift both in academics as we prepare these nurses and then also in the workforce to have just a more formalized platform and structure to uh, support our nurses' uh, health in general, mental wellness, physical health, um, spiritual health, whatever it is, so that um, so we have a, a profession that's excited and, and healthy um, to treat and, and support the population they serve. So um, I'm hoping this is, my hope is that COVID is a catalyst for massive change. And the worst thing we could do is to go back to the way it was. Yeah, I so yeah. agree with that. <laughs> Michelle and I keep saying this is a reset button, right? It's, a, it's an opportunity to reset, like just push the button, let's do it different, right? And, and I think to your point, I, I think this is a great vision. Um, I would agree with everything you've said. And I, I think, you know, it's, um, it's taking the opportunity that's before you, right? And I think a lot of it, innovation, right? It's when you're presented with something that the opportunity arises and it's all in how you respond to that. And if you have that spirit of, wow, this is an opportunity, let's go for it, right? Versus oh my gosh, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to us and we're never going to get through this. And right. Like, I mean, it's all about <laughs> what you believe and you know, how yeah. your outlook on things and some people like you and you're innovative, right. And you just have that spirit. You see through a different lens, you see the possibilities, not necessarily the downsides, right. Or the, the consequences or, you know, um, what, what may not happen. Yeah, and I, I just think it's when you're, I was listening to you, Dan, I was just like, seize the moment, right? It's like, seize the moment. And, uh, you know, shame on us if we don't take uh, the time to do that right now. And I really also really could relate to the whole thing you were bringing about partnerships. I mean, none of us can do it alone. Uh, we also are very big advocates on partnerships. And I think, I think um, the whole academic world is going to just there's going to be a lot of changes that need to take place. There's been so many things that have been set in stone for so long and the way we've always done it. And I think that um, now is the time to look at partnerships in a whole new way as we prepare the workforce with the realities of today. And because every, there's just so many things that have to be innovative right now. Well, the other thing I would just add to that too, is I think COVID helped a little bit with, the tension between competition and collaboration. Yes. We had to let go of some of that competition, right, mindset and see the possibilities for collaboration. And I think yes. a lot of, I want to just give kudos, there's a lot of organizations that put it aside and said, let's collaborate for the greater good here, right? And and so I think it showed them we can think differently. We can collaborate that it's not going to be a detriment to, you know, our ability to, you know, make our contribution. I'll, I'll make our contribution stronger if we partner with somebody. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And it's, it's for the good of the workforce and the good of the population. I think, you know, there's healthy competition um, and then there's co-opetition. And I think uh, co-opetition is the way forward. <laughs> That's great. Well, we'll put that in the courses right along with MacGyver 101. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. No, that that that's the whole reason we built the MHI program at Ohio State is exactly that, is to teach people how to be MacGyver in healthcare. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> well, as a respiratory therapist, you were taught to do that. <laughs> we were yeah. taught MacGyver 101 in respiratory therapy school, I'll tell you. Yeah, I was ER and trauma nurse. It's similar, right? Like I, yeah. I remember like my third day on the job, my preceptor pulled me in the trauma room and was like, see all the supplies in here? They'll never be stocked. So figure out how to get what you need done with the stuff you have in your hand. And I was like, I love you. This is my dream job. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. Well, it's just been such a pleasure to talk to you today and just really lift my spirit in thinking about innovation and partnerships and what's possible in the world. And um, it's just great to connect with you again as a kindred spirit right around those aspects and, and uh, really take my hat off uh, to you and, you know, just around seeking the information and doing something about it, right. When it comes to well being and, and the mental health of the nurses that you're serving on a day-to-day -day basis. So I really want to congratulate you on that. That's excellent. Yeah, and I do too, Dan. I just want to really thank you and everything that Trusted Health is doing, really, just to bring a new way of thinking and and supporting, uh, you know, nurses from, you know, you know, is it international? We have nurses that are international. Um, we're currently just uh, job wise, just in the U.S. right now, but uh, we have oh. big plans. So okay, I never all know. right. <laughs> There's that vision. There's that vision. <laughs> that innovative vision. Yeah, yeah. And you're just really a great role model. So uh, really appreciate you, and great to catch up with you. And we'll have to do this again down the road because you know more stuff's going to happen. <laughs> That's right. It always will. You got to prepare for the unknown. That's right. <laughs> all right. I'm gonna go get my MacGyver stuff together. <laughs> You have a great day. Is there anything that you would like, anything more that you'd like to share with our listeners or say before we close? I think the last thing is um, actually two things. One is uh, we have lots of resources on trustedhealth.com. So please go check them out. They're free. We have, we have events around mental health. We have support. We have a whole landing page with a ton of resources and things. So just check that out. And then the last thing on the innovation front is, you know, the, thing, the biggest thing for leaders is you don't have to be an innovator to, to lead innovation. And so if you're able to convene the right people in the room, you don't have to have the cool idea. You just have to be the convener and create the space. So um, don't get intimidated by innovation uh, if you feel like you're not creative. You, you, can, you can connect the people, and that's half the battle. Oh, that's great advice. Ah, great perfect. advice. Yeah, great way to end. Yeah. Great way to end. Thanks so much, Andy. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. Yeah, well, you take care and stay safe, right, and strong, and MacGyver-like. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Thanks so much, Dan. Thanks as always for listening to Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast. You can find show notes and links at our website, missinglogic.com forward slash new dash podcast. If you're the kind of leader who wants to help others, then share this podcast with your peers and other healthcare leaders. We're certain if you found value in it, they will too. Please share this on your social media channels and leave us a review in iTunes. 
If you don't know how to leave a review, you can find instructions at the end of the show notes. We'd also love to hear and answer your questions. So if you have some questions, you can email us at questions at missinglogic.com. And we may include your question in a future episode. 